Hello and welcome to the DMs Book Club, a podcast where we read about some Dungeons & Dragons and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing campaigns. Joining me for a second time, the second time in as many months, I don't know when we last recorded, but it's Rob. Rob, how are you, my friend? Hello, how are you doing? It's good to be back. Doing, um, doing very well, thank you. Yeah, I, I was only on weeks ago in mm. recording time, but due to time space dilations of podcasting god knows when this comes out <laughs> well you were on a well picked up episode of tolus um, mm. you know it's one of those things where you're like oh interesting campaign setting and now we're looking at other ones bringing them into the dms book club because turns out people like us talking about campaigns who knew who, who knew? knew i was here about you know stat blocks and how to be oh, a better yeah. gm and like not using the rules and now you know what what people like Hmm. It's campaign settings. It's, it's yeah. cities by Aspire. Who knew? <laughs> Turns out really good. Yeah, not a single challenge rating to be seen. <laughs> I don't I even know what that means, but cool. Yeah, what are challenge ratings? It's what really? the cool kids say. Was it, I didn't use challenge ratings before they were cool? No, that's not how Oh, I don't know. No, I, I, no, where we're going, who needs challenge ratings? So that's it. <laughs> well, we're going, that's we don't need any challenge ratings. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Get your hands off me, you damn dirty challenge rating. <laughs> So Rob, what yes, are we talking about? hello. What are we talking about today? What is the topic that I have chosen for us, but you I've given you to introduce? <laughs> yeah, we are talking about a race that exists within the Dungeons and Dragons planes by the name of Modrons. Yes. Or Modrons. I don't know. I'm gonna say Modron. Could Modron. be Modrons, Modron. Modiron, I don't you say Modrons, I say Modrons. Let's That's call good, the whole yeah. thing off. That's Either way, they're a, a fantastical race that don't really exist, so get over it. Um, and they are a very peculiar race that were created in the Planescape setting. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows the Planescape setting if they listen to this podcast, and everyone knows that only absolute nerds claim it to be their favourite setting. <laughs> Hi, Hamilton, we miss you and we love you. Yes. Um, <laughs> the Modrons were created by Monty Cook and... And Colin McComb, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, although Colin may have just helped with the big campaign they appear in. But these are fantastic, and I'm saying fantastical in the truest sense, fantastical creatures mm-hmm. that you wouldn't find in your typical Northern European-based setting of Dungeons no. & Dragons. They're very weird, very technologically based, kind of, do I dare say the word, wacky. Yes. Uh, yes. Almost a wacky enemy that also, in the best traditions of wacky, are incredibly dangerous and actually incredibly scary for when you think about it and how their society works and everything about them. So I'm going to throw it straight back at you, Fiona, for daring to get me to introduce it. Who are the Modrons? What do they do? Who are they? Yeah, I will catch the ball, the Modron ball. Big Modron ball. I threw a monodrone across to you and you caught it. I caught it. Yeah, it it was very confused. It could only process one thing at a time, those Yeah, but you've got, thankfully, you've got two eyes. So it it has a concept of what you are. Oh, Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) But yes, yeah. yeah, so uh, Modrons. So these are really interesting. Features. I think the reason I, I sort of picked this topic is because I love them. I think they're mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous, as I said. It's purely because of the way they look. And I know we're not supposed to be people who judge you know, how things look, but I think as soon as you look up a picture of any Modron or Modron, you're just like, what are these creatures and how can I use them instantly? I would say that they're sort of drawn or like they're shaped. They're sort of different shapes. So you have obviously the the sort of singular ones, the the monodron, which is a sort of circular shape. You then have the the duodron, which is like cubes. The triodon, which is like almost like a an upside down pyramid, it sort of said, and so on and so forth. And these obviously they're getting 
you know, the n- number of sides, the more advanced they are, etc. And so yes. it looks almost like a bit like a, not an Escher painting, that's not what I'm thinking of, but it's like almost like a Picasso-esque sort of style of them. They're sort of like shapes yes. with human faces on them, humanoid yes. faces on them. And, I was thinking uh, Mr. Men, but yes. You know what? That's a probably less horrific version, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like, a bit too Mr. Men, Pac-Man and Picasso, I think yes. is the uh, is the way I to think like that. I, I like yeah. the idea of characterising them as Mr. Men and, Miss, and Little Misses and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but they, I will say, because again, reading about them, uh, Kiefer Mann from The Monsters Know What They're Doing said in fifth edition, they've been given sort of really big lips, which is actually quite terrifying when you think about it, because they oh. look like they are sort of con- well, they sort of they are constructs. So just to describe yeah. it, they are construct beings of absolute law who adhere to a hive-like sort of hierarchy in society. So that's yes. that's that's just them in a in a nutshell. The, yes. The thing to know about them is that. Because there's different levels of hierarchy. It goes. I yes. think it says. There's, there's, I've, I've got it. Do you want me to read it out? Yes, do read right. it out for so, me, please. What for God? They come from the planet of Machinus, where mm-hmm. they worship the god Primus. Yes. So top of the pile, Primus. Mm-hmm. Then there's Quintons, then Hextons, then Septons, then Octons, then Nonatons, then Decatons, then Pentadrones, then Quadrones, then Tridrones, then Duodrones. And finally, at the very bottom of society, monotropes. Look at you showing off that you can say them all very easily. I know, right? <laughs> I've got it all written out in front of me. So yeah, so this sort of like hierarchical level, they're really interesting thing because of the way they have sort of been programmed and created is that they only know or really sort of understand the beings on their own level, the beings above them and the beings below them. <laughs> and so when you're sort of like a, say a duodrone, you would only know much about the monodrones and the triodrones anything above that it's a mysterious being yes. but the way they hand down orders to act them out it goes from one to the next to the next you as a top person you wouldn't be giving it to lower people you would giving it to other people so i yes. just love this sort of hierarchical society that is basically admin and delegation and it's just the way yeah. they act it's like we'll give this to you thank you i'll give this to you and just back and forth and it just this the idea of processing any sort of amount of data so it just for me i can imagine it taking a very long time to yes. get to talk to any sort of mod draw and go can you help and they're like let us just check and then i will get yeah. back to you in a certain amount of time yeah 100 percent. they are the impressions that I get are, imagine the Roman legion of classical Rome mm. mixed with Orwell's 1984, mm. of like, you don't know what, you, you get an order and you respond to the order because you're told to do it, mm-hmm. but then you don't know anything else out of your lane, which is mm-hmm. yes. If you're a monodrone, you get orders from duodrones. That's all you understand. That's yes. your life. There are at certain levels, they start getting a sort of consciousness. Yes. It's it's arguable, because then we're going very philosophical about what is a consciousness. But around pentadrones, they start having a bit of initiative. Mm -hmm. So I think at that point, you start getting the the decatons, we'll say to a pentadrone, right, you need to go take that city. Mm -hmm. And the pentadrone is the first that can start thinking, okay, how will I take that city? Yes, exactly. Below that, it would be a case of, if you're dealing with monodrones, it was run at that gate until the gate falls down. <laughs> That's all, all they will understand is attack the gate. And then as soon as they do that, a duodrone would have to say to them, stop attacking the gate. Yes. Go down the street. Whereas the pentadrons, I think, at the beginning of them sort of being able to understand. So there's a real mix of chattel and then NPCs and good enemy. They're a good mix-up, basically, mm. of how you encounter them. Because you can talk to them. That's the thing. They are constructs. They are weird. Mm-hmm. But they can talk to you. 
Mm-hmm. Talk to a monitor and it'd be very boring. You'd say, oh, do you know the way to San Jose? And it would say, <laughs> no, I don't. My superior might. Yes. And then you'd say, all right, cool. Do you know where the nearest bar is? No, I don't, but my superior might. You know, it'd be like dealing with university admin. Yes. I'm yes. allowed to say that because we both agreed <laughs> yes. We both agreed on that. <laughs> we both yeah. agreed on that. It's, cause it's interesting because, yeah, they have, one of the big things that comes across is that they have no sense of themselves. Mm. It is you know, for the greater good, they always refer to themselves as we or us, so that we, mm-hmm. almost like that we are legion type thing. Yeah. But as you said, that sort of thing that they can only compute certain things and certain ideas at lower levels. Like you said, they can, they definitely have parts of sort of common speech sort of nailed down. But mm-hmm. then if they continue for more than 48 words, so that's the, the most they can sort of mount that the monodromes can have, it then might descend to popping and clicking, almost like the whir of cogs, which mm-hmm. I love. And obviously they have their own language. And I just like that they're going, one second and then this is like almost like a garbled noise as <laughs> various clocks are in and it goes yeah. i've sent the message on <laughs> you know, just yeah like, very much i think they sound like on. um old modems booting up that to me is their their <laughs> oh, language that's all you I hear love that. yeah you're connecting to the internet yeah <laughs> it's just a horrible all right way of okay but, but you have to hear it five times as it goes between up the line oh, okay, yeah, yeah yeah and, but they just open their mouths those horrible humanoid mouths and it's just like, almost like a pez suspender like bah! Yeah, 100%, yeah. And it's great because they aren't like anything else. I I think that's fun. I think they are a fun... At that point, I I do think... Actually, I I agree with Hamilton. Planescape is definitely the best setting Mm -hmm. because it's at the point where TSR, as they still were at that point before they became Wizards, were just being able to do cool, mad stuff Mm. that you can play with. And the cool thing about the Modrons is, while, yes, they come from a certain plane and they're in the Planescape setting, the beauty of Planescape, of course, is that then they can rock up in any setting. Exactly. And what do you do when 10,000 Modrons appear over the hill? Like that suddenly, (laughs) oh, right, okay. (laughs) Exactly. Because again, like as you sort of mentioned, Mechanus itself is pure neutral, pure sort of, you know, and and they are the arbiters of justice. So if there's anything they don't, you know, if it's not right, they will sort it out. So the idea that you have to appeal to your case, these, these creatures that don't, there aren't emotional they're not subjective they're just going to go by the law that is fascinating because again for players we know players are chaotic we know they're subjective because they'll just do anything and then yeah to be faced with like you know an army of neutral people as an army it's quite scary so you might be provoked into doing these things but as it's as sort of talked about again in this uh, in the entry of them the monsters know what they're doing Mm. Keith sort of talks about like well surely you know, if you're true neutral, why would you be prone to fighting? Surely mm. that should be the last thing you do. But I think you're right. That idea of the the orders going down the line said, well, we need to take the city as quickly and effectively as possible. When it gets to the lowest level, they go, we need to take the city. It's like, right, well, I can do this one thing over and over and over again to an effect. And until yeah. that ends, like until I get another order, that is what I'll do. So I think yeah. it is it is interesting maybe how if you were playing it, it's like, well, you know, they're not necessarily prone to violence, but maybe if you play them almost like a Judge Dredd style, like we are the law yeah. and yeah. that we will enact, enact it straight away. Or even like the Jadoon from Doctor Who, that's like, yeah, yeah intergalactical police essentially. And they've got yeah. like, to restore order. Yeah. And if the order is out of date or wrong, mm-hmm. it might take too long. So they say, so, you know, there's an appeal to them that the city has fallen to the dragon men of Kerfaket and we need you to take it back. So they go, okay, we will do. By the time that message gets sent up and comes back down, mm-hmm. actually, some paladins have come and cleared out the city. Mm-hmm. The order is still, 
retake that city. Yes. And so actually there could be huge like problems where no, it's solved. They don't know that because all these 8,000 monodromes know is they have to take this city. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. care who's in it. They, they that's, that's above their, that's literally above their pay grade. Exactly. So you could have some really fun stuff where things are, are only just getting sorted at this mm-hmm. point with them. As you say, the Jadoon's a good example where it's like, oh, you broke the law, but that law was 400 years old. You know, this is a law that is out of date. And then mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, but... We, I've only just got the paperwork and it has been signed. So, oh, you know. it's been, yeah, it's been left in a filing cabinet down some stairs, in a t- this huge toilet, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Especially yeah. if there's been a break in chain of command. You exactly. know, what happens if there's only one septum and the septum's killed? Oh, no, mm. there's, a, there's a break. Because yeah. then what's interesting about the society is, in a very capitalist way, mm-hmm. is that if a quadrone dies, a tridrone evolves Pokemon like into yes. a quadrone, mm. which means there's a gap in the tridrone, so a duodrone does, so then a monodrone does, filling mm-hmm. the gap. So the, the lowest class dies first. Mm-hmm. And this can cause huge problems because what if there isn't a tridrone around? What mm. if of a party of 10 tridrones get wiped out, then 10 duodrones somewhere else in the realms... That's it, the key thing. Somewhere else. Tri- yeah. yeah. Was Not like, the ones oh, there. What? Okay, right. There you become it. And so... You'll be talking to one and the next thing it's changed, it's evolved. And mm-hmm. that can cause a problem because that order that one of them was holding is now somewhere else and it's now lost. Very and- confused, isn't it? Yeah, because yes. I quite like that little thing because it says, oh yeah, anywhere. So you could have easily a really interesting story hook where, like you said, you're talking to a duo drone or any any sort of modron and then they you they change or some because this is yeah. the thing. It says in uh, another article we were reading, the promotion is traumatic. Not only does the chosen modron change like physically changes horrible uh, wrenching sort of feeling as it, it is formed into this thing which is a horrible thing for everyone else yeah. to see but also right. gains this understanding of a world it was previously wasn't aware of and presumably the higher it goes up it forgets about previous things so ethically obviously it's like oh my god but obviously yeah. to them they just take to it na- almost instantaneously so they don't notice it yeah. but anyone outside of it will do it and I think that, that again to watch players see that so again maybe you find a emodron that's been separated from its troop and then for whatever reason it just suddenly changes yeah. and you're like oh my god and then are you okay and goes who are you and you have to restart that whole thing yeah. again with it you're like All oh no again. and it's Hello, like world. oh I need to report <laughs> above and you're like what who are you yeah. talking about now I think there's a house rule for, for games masters I, I would have this as a rule when a modron evolves I'm going to use the term evolve I've been playing Pokemon yeah. Arceus yeah. for each level that they're going to so a monodrone to a duodrome mm-hmm. they're going to level two that amount of time should be the amount of time it takes for them to evolve into the next step. Okay. So an octontal septon would be like seven minutes or something. So it's a minute for each level that go up. And while they're evolving, they should just be screaming. Because <laughs> I like the idea of players just stood there talking to this thing, and then it just starts screaming for three minutes as it evolves, and then just comes back with absolutely like, yeah, sorry, and you know, like, yeah. I'm like, sorry. There was uh, there was a, a change to the connection. Yeah, I've been upgraded. Like, literally, yeah. this awful scream, and then they just go snap back into reality. Yeah, like, again, again, feeling that a proper sort of Cybermen. 
type thing where they're being upgraded yeah. and hearing them screaming and then they stop because that emotion's been removed or even like for me that's sort of the montage of uh, American Werewolf in London how, yeah. yeah that's how I see what they're screaming and things are just popping yeah. out and just or in Willow when they're, they're all yes. getting mutated yeah, exactly. So, so, of course, I, I we would highly recommend to anyone out there who's oh, we should have motor get one that changes halfway through. Exactly. Be yeah, because I think it's easy to think of them as enemies because they are a faceless mass kind of. Well, they're not faceless; they're all they're only faces. Um, <laughs> a big facey mass, yeah. But I think it's really important to think actually they have their own. After a certain level, they have their own personality to a mm. degree. They're not all the same. And that takes people by surprise because they assume they will be the same and they're not. They have their mm-hmm. own works. I like to think of them at a certain point, they start becoming Star Wars droids, basically. Mm-hmm. They've got programming and they've got what they want to do, but some of them are little R2-D2s, some of them are little BB-8, some of them are C-3PO. You get that. Yeah, they've got a role. Yeah, they've got ethics. Yeah, they've got a certain plan. Mm-hmm. But some are a bit cheeky. Some have got a broken voice box. Some didn't quite properly mm-hmm. evolve. And I think you can thinking them as, as the droids of D and D. I think you can get a lot of work out of them. I like of that. I like yeah. I like that idea of giving them that personality quirk, and then should they transform or shift up or evolve, and it changes slightly, but you can still see it's that that particular thing. Like like uh, C three PO's head gets put onto a different robot, but it's still C three PO. And I, I think that'd be again, sorry Fiona. Sorry Fiona. When does that happen? I can't remember. I I blocked that particular film I, out I from my head. I believe we had a line in avail about that. But, uh, <laughs> wow! I just referred to a scene that may or may not exist. I mean, I've, maybe I've come up with it. But just to go back to um, that thing about role playing modrons and that yes. idea of that collective reference to themselves as we or mm. us, the fact that they also then see any other humanoid creature or any, say, a member of your party uh, if, as a party, they will assume that that is a whole entity. So they will talk to what they think is the leader. So maybe they're a pentadrome version, yeah. even though they're answering somebody else. Which I love the idea that as as a, again, if you're around the table and like a party member asks some questions, you just turn to <laughs> somebody else and yeah. talk to them, and they're like. Hey, I asked you to be quiet. I'm talking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're a very alien monster. And I'm using monster in the very clever term because they are their own thing. And and I think that's the key thing. Because obviously most D&D, as we would traditionally know it, is high fantasy. Obviously by the time you get into like Planescape and the outer realms, they are going to be like, there's space here too. So then to have something like this, having... Modrons, constructs that are formed like this, appearing elsewhere, appearing, say, in, in sigil or on the yeah. on the material planes. That's the bit where you go, what is happening? Because like not many sort of people from the material plane, you know, like for the forgotten roles, will have met one no. and then be like, are they are we being invaded by tiny constructs? Uh, yeah. So Yeah, what what are these things? Really, I think we should talk about one of the key things, really, which Please. is the Modron March. Yes, let's, which... let's talk about that. Yes. So how would you encounter the Modron? If you're in Sigil, maybe there's one at a bar, classic. But for most people, you're hanging around the planes, and then there's a thing called the Great Modron March. On a regular schedule, this march spills out of Mechanus, and the automatons file their way around the Great Ring. No one knows why. Everyone stays out their way. This is a force of nature. They march and they will just walk no matter what goes in the way. They will walk over anyone. They'll walk through cities. They will walk across canyons and fill the canyon with 
monodromes and march across it kind of yes. thing like the, as uh, before we started recording fiona you've referred to them as like the lemmings from yes. lemmings it's that the door it opens someone goes let's go and the music starts and off they go and you, they <laughs> need to get to the back to the end sorry some very good miming going on thank you uh, they need to get back to the entrance which is a whole ring around mm. so they're going to be coming all the time like they, they're known to come it's once in a lifetime for most mortals mm. But they're known to do this. No one knows why they do it. They spill no. out of their plane. They march around. They don't cause trouble no. other than if you happen to have built a town in their way. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> That's your fault. Yes. Um, they don't cause trouble, nor do they particularly react to trouble. But they do this and they go back. No one knows why, but it's a thing that happens. However, there is a campaign supplement called The Great Vodron March, written by Monty Cook and Steve was it um, Colin McComb? Colin, Colin McComb, and this basically something's happened, and the march that is regularly scheduled has set off early. It's decades I know. early. The, the, it's not late. It's very early. <laughs> it's really early. <laughs> so people have only probably just put their town together after the last march. Yeah, like and, what? <laughs> yeah, and they're back because something has changed on Mechanus. Mm. And this is a campaign built up of nine adventures. And the idea is you don't run it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You, as Planescape patrons, Planescape adventurers, will be going around and occasionally run into it. And mm. the march is still going. And maybe a Modron that you met is still there. Maybe it's now evolved. Mm. Maybe you painted one red so you'd remember which one it was. And then mm. you see it three adventures time. And it's now, it was a pentadrone. And now it's a septon because they've taken so many casualties. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. It's like a campaign that can just be in the background of your campaign as well, yes. which is really fun. So, yeah, this thing is happening. For Dungeon World players, it's a front that's always moving, no matter what the players do. Mm. And it could be that they go, and in the beginning of the campaign, there's a full list of every plane they go to in the order that they go to. Mm-hmm. And maybe you as a GM go, actually, we're pretty cool. We were going to Elysium anyway. Mm. Let's say we get there as they arrive. And it just becomes this recurring trope kind of thing mm-hmm. um, about why are they going? What's going on? Why are they early? Mm-hmm. And what are they after, if anything? Because they are after a thing mm-hmm. and something has happened, as I mentioned. I'm not going to say it. I felt I no. spelt too much in Solus, but something has happened. It tells you very early on in the book. Exactly what you said, right? So the initial reason why it happens, nobody really knows. There's lots of theories about like they just like they want to make sure that the order is what it was last time they came around. Like they don't yeah. stop; they just carry on like marching all the way through. There's not like okay, we rest here, lads. No, yeah. no, they just carry on, and I like that that they just they just judge and go, or maybe there's it's just a way to make sure okay, the mechanism's big cog turns around once every yeah. whatever, and it's just that's the way they cycle it through. And it's like okay, it has happened. I really enjoyed. Again, we won't spoil it, uh, but the yeah. the reason why it happens early is such a good reason, and I just as yeah, having it in. I love that idea. What you said about putting it in the background, and eventually the player's mm-hmm. like, look. Why are they still here? <laughs> what is going on? Let's, like, should we go check out Mechanus? Yeah. Let's go. And then you go, oh my God, why? <laughs> why? Would yeah, you? this is what's happened. And uh, what I really like as well is it's how it says, how it, as it marches, it becomes an event. Uh, it's like the Tour de France. That's it what I literally followed. was thinking of. Oh, really? Yeah, right, I was yeah. like, would you be the person with the with the, the sign hanging oh, out and getting crushed oh, by God. all tons of, of monodrons? Yeah. Wow. That will happen. Uh, they won't stop. That will happen. And people just follow it because they're like, cool, let's go on an adventure. This is this is like the Tour de France. It's like a mm. pilgrimage. So you start getting caravans following it. And it mm. takes so long to march around 
that it might be the children of the first followers who are at the end kind of thing, Mm -hmm. if time all goes weird. But it's really fun that you have this whole thing where you it's a reason, it's an event, it's almost a festival going on across the plains. Yeah, definitely. It's the event, it's the thing you go and see. And I just think it gives a whole massive reason to go across the plains because we all know it's very easy to stay in one place. Yes. You need a reason to leave. Mm-hmm. And I think this does give it because after four adventures of encountering these guys, you might go, right, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, and you we've... start following them, you yeah. know. Once is once is one thing, twice is a coincidence, yeah. three times, mm, not sure what's yeah. going on, you know. And off we go. And also, it's almost a safe way of exploring the realms because yes. if you're walking with the army, they won't protect you, but also a dragon would probably go, mm, mm. I'm going to go attack something smaller than that. Like, so well, it's, yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't get the wrath of Primus, the you know, whole mechanism come for you, and it's like, there's a dragon, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. We are petitioning you to stop. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. justice is served. Yeah, off we go. You could even have it that the players don't do anything with it. They they literally yes. just see it and go, oh, cool. All right, mm. let's go do our adventure. Let's go to underground in a dungeon. Yeah, because again, like some people like really don't like um, Modrons at all because they think they're very do silly. They? And I can I can totally understand oh, why. Have you read some criticism? I have read a uh, yeah, oh. like, like it just because because they look weird and they don't, as we sort of were joking at the beginning of the mm. podcast, their challenge rating isn't very high. So we'll, I guess we'll just uh-huh. quickly shift over to the yes. stats. It's always quite interesting. I just so, realised what they look like and what they they totally remind me of. Go on, the guy from Monsters Inc. Yes, uh, yes, yes, I know the little one. Spike yeah. is it? I don't know. What it's no, um, Mike. Cookers. Mike, that's Mike, off of uh, monsters. Mike if you want to picture these guys, you you don't have access to Google. You are listening to this. You've downloaded it. You're on the tube because you're in, from London, and you've got some fancy ideas above your station. Um, and so you can't Google. Uh, imagine Mike from Monsters Inc., but like mechanical, a biomechanical yes. version of him for the monodrone. Absolutely. Again, we're talking about challenge rating. So the challenge rating, in case you're very new to the, the Book Club, is essentially what they used to do in the before times, if you were putting up encounters stuff like that, they used to judge it by challenge rating. So from a, a, a monodron, uh, that is only a, an eighth for one of them, an eighth challenge rating. And it goes up all the way up to challenge rating two with the, the pentadrones. By themselves... Yeah, they're quite you know level. You know, there's a creature. You know, if you get four adventurers at level two, you can easily take these out. But then the question is, why would low level adventurers be going to the outer planes or be on Mechanus, for example? But you're right. Why go to Mechanus when Mechanus can come to you? And I like this idea that the way it's sort of structured, this idea of like. You know, if you've got one, say, tri-drone, underneath them is 12 duo-drones, and underneath each one of those, each duo-drone is in command of 12 monodrones. Mm-hmm. So altogether, that's 144 monodrones. That's an yeah. army that's going yeah. to attack you, right? That that yeah. That's it. So that adds up a lot. So that's what you need to think about if you're running these things. It, you might not meet them in isolation, but we'll get on mm-hmm. to if we meet a rogue uh, monodrone yes. later, because those are quite interesting. The things to sort of look at, most of them, or well, all of them, actually, all five of them in the Monster Manual have this thing called 
and I'm going to say this wrong, is it atomatic mind? Axiomatic. Axiomatic. Axiomatic mind. So this yeah. that these, these creatures can't be compelled to act in a manner contrary to its nature or instruction. So very, like we said, sort of iRobot, the sort of the yeah. laws of robotics, that idea that they've given a program, they're going to follow the course of action. Which mm-hmm. I think, and it's, it's going to come from above them in that yes. sort of line of hierarchy. So you as a, you, unless you are really, if you're really appealing to the leaders, the other sort of minion characters are not going to listen to you. No. And even then, yeah, you would literally have to say to the leader could you do this and the leader would have to turn to it and say do this even though you've said it like it's very exactly they would never yeah yeah, they unless again maybe make it as a plot hook that i know there are things like the clockwork soul which you can get for um i think it's wizards i think that that sort of background where you are you have that sort of thing maybe you could have some flavorings with that but otherwise they're not gonna they're not gonna listen to you why would they you're not part of their hive mind so to speak but the other interesting sort of special feature they have is disintegration so when they die their whole body disintegrates into dust leaving behind the weapons than anything else it was carrying so again a really cool thing is that mm. if like um if some one of these creatures dies in front of you you're like oh great we'll give it back to the artifice and they can make it as oh no it's gone it's That's completely gone. It's literally just, gone I, and they but, don't know what it is do they there's a no. whole some people think it's rapid um like entropy like they just mm. they, they they rust into nothing <laughs> Uh, some people say they join the force. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's cool as well, because then they become this thing that you could have seen. You could say, I saw one. And then sort of like, no, I didn't believe you. you like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> like, oh, no, I've I got love, a sword. Yeah, I've got I a love, sword. <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah, like no one believes that you've seen one of these creatures. These, these yeah. rare, like, okay, you saw a, yeah, yeah, a clockwork yeah. man, you know. Yeah, sort of yeah thing. good one, yeah. But I, I like, and maybe for me, my the flavouring I would do is like, yeah, it disintegrates into dust. I just like the idea that it just explodes and it just cogs everywhere to the point where it's just little pieces of it left. And you're like, what was it? I mean, like, oh, don't know. We can't put it back together. Whatever it is, it's so yeah. all tiny. But it's just like, oh, just it just all just goes and just falls down. I guess yeah. if it was just not put together properly or something like that. Oh, so. that'd be fun. I either see it as dusting, like in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> or like when Sonic gets hit and yes. he all the rings spew out, kind of thing, but with cogs, mm-hmm. kind of thing. They just explode up into the air. But yeah, that I love that. Yeah, yeah. You've got to make yeah. the noise yeah. as well, though. If you're oh, getting rid of the rings, I love that. The other thing that's interesting, so they have all five of these creatures have something called true sight, which means they can see into the ethereal plane at 120 feet. So there's no hiding from them. You, if you're invisible or you're sort of hiding in the other plane, they will see you. They'll be like, you're there. Like, you can't hide <laughs> yeah. from them very quickly. So yeah. to, which I, again, it's a very interesting thing for a creature at, at a low challenge rating mm. to have. And maybe that's, again, that sort of idea that they're coming from this, this different plane and they're, they're built differently. That sort of yeah. Thing. Just, well, that's a really, because not many creatures have true sights. And again, it taps into that. They're almost a police force as well. They're yes. kind of like... <laughs> they, they, they see the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're almost like walking cameras as well that mm-hmm. it's like you know all sensors they're just this un almost they're an interesting mix i really do think they've almost got this inflexibility that makes them interesting of yes just, you can't convince them to do stuff mm-hmm. you can't hide from them no. they're inevitable you just have to sort of get out their way you just have to be like, they're inevitable Most they are inevitable, inevitable. <laughs> yeah um, i love that Yes, I do think that is fun. I think that that, just the mind, the disintegration and the true sight gives them a combination of abilities Mm -hmm. that 
stands about from a goblin from yeah. a challenge rating. A hundred percent, right? You know, yeah. yeah. You you would remember your encounter with a Modron yeah. instantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared to again, because obviously we we always use the like, goblins as a actually oh, your first encounter, it's goblins. Yeah. This, you know, if you imagine you put these in, you're like, what the hell were those things? So if we start with the, the monodrone, uh, you know, armor class, all of these armor classes are usually about 15 because of their natural armor. The health starts off at five points. They are the drones, right? They they just there's right. not much to yeah. them at all. Yeah. But the difference, I guess, between monodromes and the rest of them, apart from the higher ups, the, mm. the pentadromes, is that they can fly. They have wings. Mm. And what's great is that they can be commanded to carry the non-flying ones across, which yeah. maybe it's just me, but it feels it's just, at some parts of it like very Warhammer, like you, you will carry me and let's go. And yes. Like, and you're like, okay, yes. Yeah, I think that's true. But again, mm. it's almost back to lemmings. I know we keep saying yeah, this, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. like that you've clicked the ability to give them flight and they're all flying and they're carrying. Yeah, I, I, I really think that's fun. They become, they're a mix. I'm, I'm mixing everything now. Yeah. So now they're a Roman legion mixed yes. with Mr. Men. Yes. Mixed <laughs> with lemmings, mixed with yes. Cybermen. Yes. Mixed with ants. Like, yes, then yeah. they've got the whole, we need to climb this wall, mm-hmm. well, we'll make a ladder out the monodromes. You all stack on top of each other, and we will. the rest of us will climb you kind of thing. Like, it's exactly. really, they are a force of nature. They're ants and locusts and everything. They are, they are. So, yeah, so as, as we sort of talked about, the uh, monodromes, they can perform one simple task at any one time and relay a single message. So that, that That is literally their programming. What's interesting, compared to the others, they have two different weapon attacks. They have a dagger and they have javelins, whereas mm. the rest of them usually have, I mean, maybe poorly phrased, but they have uh, fist attacks. Um, I would call it something else, obviously, but all the rest of them have fist attacks uh, and javelin attacks. I don't get it. I don't no, I don't get it either. No, I don't get it. But yeah, so I, I think that's interesting. So that, yeah, that everyone would have kind of, vis- like we said, that sort of that mic from Monster Sync. Yes. That's, that's the mono drones one. Then going, say, to the duo drones, they're sort of almost like two cubes on each other and mm-hmm. random reference the image looks like Dwight Schrute from the US office so a guy with glasses <laughs> walking around going why is my stapler in jello <laughs> but interestingly again these are only um, a quarter challenge rating but in their sort of attack bit they have a multi-attack they can make two melee uh, mm-hmm. punch actions or two javelin attacks but that's it. They can't combine because, again, they can only do two tasks at a time, but they can't mm. be two different tasks per se. They have to do one, two, yeah. all right, now and now yeah. recompute, okay, this one as well. So I yeah. quite like that. They, they can do two and two, but they can't mix and match. And then going on to triadrones, uh, they can get up to three of these attacks as well, which is great. Uh, and again, their image, they have, they sort of like this inverted pyramid, but then with several arms and it's very spindly legs. So mm. I like the idea that if you took one out, it's like the leg goes down and this whole like pyramid shuffles down. It's like, yeah. hello, my legs. <laughs> I'd like to see them done as Jim Henson puppets. All you know of what? These. All of these would be amazing yeah. as Jim Henson puppets. Yeah, I, I think they'd be very good. The lips are disgusting, I have to say. You now you, now you notice them. You can't get away from them. Yeah, yeah, I hate them so much. <laughs> Again, just to finish off with that, the triadrone, the Jim Henson things really made me think, because they've got lips on both sides. So maybe yeah. they, in my head, they would have like maybe different personalities or different sort of mm-hmm. things so they would talk to each other. Or te- yeah. te- one side would say something, oh, the other side would say something. Yeah, like. very yeah. much, you know, in Labyrinth, the knights. That, one up exactly. and one down. Yeah, that's exactly that's, what I'm thinking. That that sort of yeah. like, don't tell them. We just, yeah, yeah. I'm, tell, I'm talking to them. No, I am. Yeah, that's sort yeah. of again as a GM. That's that's awful because you're talking to yourself. But actually, I crave talking to myself as, <laughs> as an NPC. <laughs> oh God. Uh, then going on to um, I what I think yes. are the coolest ones, the quadrants, okay. right? Yes, because <laughs> they are 
I mean, in the image themselves, they're they're just essentially a cube with wings mm. and a bow and arrow. But also, yeah. it looks like one of them has it's it's got like a I I want I think an eye patch. I don't think it's an eye patch. It looks to me like a pirate, and I'm like, you know what? I'm here I think for it's a monocle. Moments. I think yeah. it's a monocle that comes down, and I think it's got an eye shot. But you could have an eye patch because I'm again, these patch, fantastic creatures. Like... Yeah, this is just a box with wings, <laughs> arms, and legs, and it's great. It reminds me of, and I'm sorry for so much pop culture references before. I think, but this is important, right? When you're yes. running games like this, I think you need to draw from these things. Oh, go, yes. that sounds interesting. So I'm all for pop culture references. Okay. This reminds me of the first Wallace and Gromit animation, A Grand Day Out, when they find a robot <gasps> yes, on the, the moon. Fridge. Yeah. Fridge. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That is exactly what this reminds me of a sort of square box that yes. the arms come in and out of it, and it's got bits <laughs> yeah. in it, and it can open drawers in itself and stuff. That's oh, I, uh, you know what? Yeah. yeah, add that back in. Any they, they don't have pockets; they have drawers. Oh yeah, hundred percent. They've got yeah, shit, shit. Stumps opens, hatches open, and they pull out a spring and stuff. I, yeah. Oh god. I you know what? I love that. I love yeah. that so much. For them, um, it's interesting. So they can even make two mm. punch attacks or four short bow attacks. So what type of attacks can they make? Sorry, they can make punching attacks. Pu- I know. Oh, my, I must have a different. Uh, you have a different, different one. Yeah. I know what you're making, trying to make me say. I won't <laughs> say it. They have. Four short bow attacks. So obviously, because again, yeah. these are the other ones that can fly. So they're going to be within range, but they're not going to come down. They, you know, they are mm-hmm. utilized for flying combat. So I can imagine again, yeah. if you're watching this huge march going across the plane, you just see these little things flitting back and forth, making sure that no one's out of yes. line and stuff. And then yeah. suddenly, almost like you know, like um, a huge. Um, I don't. I don't know what the term is called, but you know, when it's a, a cloud of birds going back and forth. A uh, flock. A flock, but you know, there's that phenomenon they do. Where oh, it's... yeah, when starlings are, uh, yes, yeah, in the air, absolutely. they're just sort of yes. swishing around. Like, oh, that, that would be amazing. Like, what's that? Why are they coming to? Oh, my god, oh, those god. are birds, <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, and quadrons, yeah, they're the sort of the officers of the army, as you say, the challenge rating one, one, yeah, but with them, there will always be the others as well, so exactly. it's not one, it's, it's so, yeah, it's so you're getting death from above, but also mm. death from below as these other creatures are sort of coming towards you, yeah. and, and then obviously, uh, the monodrones are picking up others and carrying them and dropping uh, airdropping them that's yeah. the other they talked about this idea of airdropping various things you're like oh my yeah. god yeah. really death from above yeah. and then finally and it's interesting because if you look at other i will come on to the, the other hierarchies in a second but mm-hmm. this one the the pentadrome i think is the ugliest looking one and it scares me it's, um, it's quite it, different it's, it's quite there, there's suddenly a step up that is they've gone from oh look at these funny shapes with legs mm-hmm that's effectively what they are. They're funny shapes with legs and yes. eyes. And you're like, oh, okay, it's a bit scary number. The pentadrone is horrible. Do you want to describe it? Shall I yeah. describe so it? So imagine you've peeled mm. an orange and you've taken out the orange and it's just the peel left. And on each of the peel bits is eyes and faces and it's mm. and that bit's on legs. That's how I see it. It's this horrible yeah. sort of almost like starfish type. It's feature. very star. I would say star. Imagine starfish. a starfish. Yeah. But there's and, an eye on each of its appendages. And a, re- a really grumpy face on each one of them. Yeah, just really like grumpy face. Oh, so grumpy. So grumpy. Oh, oh they, have, so they, have, grumpy. they have to talk with that voice now. Yes. Oh, so grumpy. Uh, I think they're pretty big. I they think size-wise, they are big. They are much, much bigger than the other ones. Yeah, they're, they're, the yeah. other pictures are sort of medium or, or small. These are large. They, yes, they, you large know these construct. are coming. Yes. Armor class of 16, 32 hit points. So it's challenge rating two. Fiona, as someone who doesn't use challenge ratings, what mm. was Doctor challenge rating two mean, please? So challenge rating two means that you could have four level two characters, and this yeah. would be sort of a medium uh, okay. encounter for them but okay. of course that but that's not but 
on its own yeah but if yeah. you're having all the other creatures involved with it then that's going to go up to probably a deadly encounter so they might oh, need to yeah. be a little bit higher level yeah. for it because that, roughly speaking so yeah. a pentadrone is what you're mostly going to encounter when you encounter a boss level mojo right these i think are so be the yeah the, if, if you've annoyed them because these are the the overseers and these this is the first level where they can start improvising. Yes. So these are the, this is the boss in a computer game. They've got to punch all his eyes out, but it summons new guys into the front kind of you thing. Know what? It looks yeah. exactly like a boss from a Resident Evil game. It really I was going to say Legend of Zelda, but I can see Resident Evil. We've got we eat all these pop references. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've um, got them all. But, but, but this yeah, would so- be a fun encounter, a, a pentadrone and its lads, basically. Oh my God, pentadrone and the lads. I yeah, on tour. <laughs> Oh my tour. god, lads on tour. That's Lad- what the Modron yeah, March is. Modron's on, on tour. tour. Yeah. I love the idea that someone's oh, going to give him a t shirt. You're like, yeah. this is your t shirt <laughs> on tour. Waz's March 2022. Brilliant. Oi, oi. <laughs> to go back to the Pentadromes very quickly <laughs> before we get carried away on this on Modron's on tour. Because I am just, I, that's yeah. the title of this episode. You realize that now. <laughs> um, like- so the Pentadromes. Again, very interesting. They have a multi-attack of five arm attacks. They call them oh, arm attacks yeah, in this they one. They do in this one. In this yeah. one, they do. So again, for me, describing it, it would be like, because again, the starfish with sort of five mm. legs, arms, whatever you call it, it's like they do, it's whirling around like a horrible trap and it's just hitting everything around yes. it. Almost like a, yeah, like Robot Wars. You know, it's it's one of the, it's, it's Hypnodisc. It's Hypnodisc, uh, brilliant. <laughs> R.I.P. Hypnodisc. R.I.P. Hypnodisc. Easy. I remember Hypnodisc. Um, yes, uh, but it also, what else does it do? It smacks you in the face with its five arms mm-hmm. it and then, yeah, yeah it then has a, a paralyzing gas so mm. you think this is going to be their opening move essentially so uh, they exhale a 30 foot cone of gas and each creature must succeed on 11 constitution saving throw so not necessarily that high but mm-hmm. again maybe you'll encounter these at a lower level or be paralyzed for one minute and then they can save at the end of each of their turns but obviously yes. it's going to do that capture the most creatures in it and then probably give the order get the paralyzed ones and everyone else is going to go rush for them, get the, yeah. get the advantage of it and then do an arm attack. Yeah. So pretty simple, straightforward and this sort of thing, like the way it would command itself. But I think if you're mm. running an account with them, I definitely would make sure, because you might get, you might get very overwhelming. So for these, if you've got loads of little um, monodrones yeah. and then all that sort of thing, there's uh, we've talked about it before in this podcast, there's like the horde rules and stuff like right. that. I would just use them rather than rolling for every single yeah. one. It's just, it, no one likes rolling. No, It's boring per se, yeah. you know, waiting for it i would just do mob rules until you get to something like this you're like right big boss time let's yeah. go yeah as not a huge player of 5e sure. for how i would use say monodrones i would almost not even use them have stat blocks i would almost use them as advantage disadvantage yeah just yeah. be like literally you're being swarmed so while you're fighting yeah. the pentadrone you're at disadvantage because actually at the same time you're trying to smash these little yeah. guys kind of thing and just make it a bit easier, easier. and then just yeah. say okay if you hit it a couple of times then you've cleared enough away you can. or you could say can i just make a skill a, a might skill check to represent me just punching these ones out of the way kind of thing exactly yeah i think that's, i think but that's so true right because yeah because yeah. you get to that point when you're looking at if we go straight back to the monodrones yeah they only have five health like, you know, an armor class of 15 but like they're gonna die pretty yeah. quickly right and, yeah. but then they're gonna get replaced because that's the whole point they you know it's, it's that's the way it sort of works so yeah it's a zombie horde uh, of metal yes. so yeah. Uh, yeah i think 
structuring that so it's just easier for you to run but still giving that same level of excitement for the for the characters like what do you do yeah i'm just going to attack them it's like go for it and then you're like oh yeah you clear three of them way but then mm. six more appear and just like really build on that i, yeah. I really love that I, think so. I was thinking if i if i was to run an encounter with the pentrode i would hold the paralysis gas until the very end because i because of their tentacly nature i'm immediately mm. thinking octopus and I'm thinking at the last minute, that's its escape thing. It fires off the gas oh, and then scuttles off kind of thing. Like, that's it, it not opening. Goes, I now fly! And all these little <laughs> monodromes come and try yeah, to pick it up. Yeah, pick it up and then raise it away kind of thing. Next time, adventurers! But, oh, oh my God, I love that idea that you have an enemy and it's like, yeah. I'll get you next time. Next time. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of cool because if you did do that, it can level. Mm. As the march goes on and casualties are taken, so you might encounter a pentadrome and you put your sword into its eye and then it escapes. Next time you see it, it's the it's a couple of levels up, mm-hmm. but it's still got its sword, your sword in one of its eyes. It just goes, so you. Yeah. So it's like, oh, wow, it remembered. Because once they hit Pentadrome, they start getting a bit more. Mm-hmm. So you could have a recurring one that as you're advancing, it's advancing mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's such a yeah. Just to go back, yeah, that paralyzing mm. gas. What's interesting? It could easily be. He talked about it in again one of the other articles and we we read using that paralyzing gas uh, to end the fight, like just capture them all and take them back for trial or mechanism because that's kind of like their public entertainment. It's like you will be put yeah. on trial for your actions. Yeah. So yeah, you might not want you dead. Maybe it doesn't have to resort to like killing violence. It's just like we we must. This must end. The most efficient way to end this is to paralyze you and for you to come back with us. You are now our prisoners. Resistance is futile. That sort of yeah. Uh, yeah. I just think that's such a cool concept as well that yet you not use it straight away unless they're going to want to use it straight away just to try it mm. and then okay you're resisting stop resisting <laughs> stop yeah. resisting yeah. now yeah <laughs> is this for your own good you know yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly it is it is that again using almost Jadoon or, or Cybermen style of just we're logically taking you in why you, we don't understand why you're resisting because we have no yes. concept of it you, you can't win. <laughs> yeah. There's so yeah. many of us. You can't win. And it's even, not even smoke. Yeah. It's just, we no, know. Fact. Yeah. Or even if you do win, they won't realise that they can lose in a way. You know, they'll just yes. keep going until the battle's over. It's only at a certain point they probably start going, okay, now we will back away. But they're not lost because that would involve emotions and, and mm, the concept exactly. of winning and losing. The one thing I did want to sort of quickly chat about before moving on yes. to uh, Rogue Modrons is so yes. obviously the only five basic ones are in the Monster Manual. It suggests like possibly if there's a another official, I don't know, Planescape book coming out soon, mm-hmm. probably, wink, wink, right. nod. So this might include statistics for the higher up levels, right. yeah. which will be very interesting because if you, I'm sure as you did, look back at the previous sort of the different hierarchies and stuff and what they all did and everything like mm. that. The artwork for them is very different to what these mm. ones are. They look sort of more humanoid, more sort of AI, almost like Zorgoness. And even yes. um again, not there's a bit there's a picture in the Great the Great March. Yeah. yeah. The Great Mode One March of Primus. I don't know if I like it. I I, I I in my head it's like it's something that I cannot even comprehend. Yeah. Is that sort of thing. So I wouldn't even have an image of Primus. Like I, that's that sort of thing about don't give stats to, to deities because that means you can kill them, yeah. right? But I just in my head because just the way they look, they sort of become more humanoid, more slim. A few yeah. bits of robotic stuff, but not yeah. necessarily like as 
odd as these. So I don't mm. know. I, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, this, is it the art style that is like it should progress throughout the whole episode? Or are you like it doesn't matter really? Like, I think it's really interesting because Primus mini spoiler. If you look at the beginning of the book, Primus looks like Doc Manhattan from Watchmen, Pretty with much. cables coming in and out of him. Yes. And that almost gives you that idea of, are these things just a creation of some mad wizard? Like, immediately you start thinking, is Primus just an incredibly powerful human wizard kind of thing? Mm -hmm. I like that they change and become weirder. I'm a big fan of that. So I do... I don't think you should encounter much above a pentadrome. Agreed. At that point... If you want to, if that Planescape book is not yet out, you could de- delve into the Great Modron March book and it has the stats for all the others from second edition. So yes. you can extrapolate what you can extrapolate from that. Exactly, exactly. I, uh, it's tricky, isn't I it? I would right? keep them off the table for as yeah. long as possible. The problem is if you utilise the Great Modron March, you see them. Yeah, they're in, they are in there at the front. So you can't avoid them. But then there's almost that way of doing it. The march is so big. So Mm -hmm. to give you an idea, the march is one quinton, one hexton, one septon, four octons, four nonatons, five decatons, 50 pentadrons, 80 quadrons, 405 tridrons, 128 duodrones, and 8,640 monodrones (laughs) at the beginning. That's a lot. That is a lot. And actually... You might see a Hexton, but not realise. Yeah. Because there's 10,000 yeah. things marching past you. It's like a Where's Wally of Modron. Exactly. Right? And yeah. they maybe they're not at the front. Maybe they're in the middle so they don't get picked off. Yeah. And I think it's important. You could almost have people saying, well, I saw it. And other people go, no, you didn't. You know, mm-hmm. they, they could mm-hmm. become a thing of, of myth, even though they are marching around the plains. And yeah. you go on an adventure, which is try and spot one. I... I'm always a big fan of like less is more. You see a fleeting thing and you like you just describe them. I think for me, I would just definitely describe them as even like, you know, when you just I've talked about it before in another podcast. So sometimes I really struggle to visualize it, but I know when you say something, I'm like, I can't even imagine what that is. And that sounds amazing. So yeah. like, I would, would come up with some descriptions of just fucking weird shapes mm. and be like, this is what you see. Almost like um like a Mobius strip one, for example, or something like that. And you're like, how yeah. does that work? You know, any yeah. sort of Escher looking ones or something like yeah. that, just to really ham home that these creatures are not of that you, you have never encountered before. They are so alien. They are so yeah. beyond that sort of thing. And yeah, this idea that Primus created them and then they shape and change into these creatures and then they get more and more humanoid i was like no yes. i want to i want them to stay no, weird, weird. I, I don't think that's fair i think it's interesting if you go for the great mode march you start seeing bits of artwork and they don't really explain what these things are so you mm. might be able to guess what they are a li- nice source i think would be have a look if you if as a gm have mm. a look at victorian science fiction oh, because yeah. look at the covers of stuff like war of the worlds and how oh. people um Imagine the tripods. Sometimes oh. they've got huge eyes. You know, sometimes they are very Ward human Ward. looking. You know, well, yeah. yeah. So the good thing about them is they are flexible. And if you want, you could say, yeah, after Hexton's, you can't tell them from humans. You just can't mm. anymore. Or you could say, no, at that point, a Hexton is a spider. It's half spider, oh. basically. It's a giant oh. mechanical spider. With a face. With, with a face and scorpion tails coming out of it. And that's awful. You don't want to fight that. Yeah. But now I'm thinking of the only time I've ever seen something like that would be like the Scorpion King and really bad CGI. So no, that's no, not like that. Yeah, so I would just describe it as it's 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 this creature with a bad CGI, almost like Thomas the Tank Engine. Have you ever seen the classic Dungeons and Dragons 
Dragon Strike video then Dragon with a man Strike? scorpion. No. You're gonna right. have to send me that afterwards, aren't you? Yeah, if you're if you're listening to this at the moment and the tube has finally hit the Docklands Light Railway, <laughs> get on YouTube, get on Dragon Strike, get your friends around, 20 minutes, get roaring drunk, worth it. <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Finally finish off this sort of yes. wild ride. I want to quickly talk about rogue modrons. Yes. So, of course, you may be like, these all sound really cool, but I, mm. I can only handle one Modron at a time. Like, <laughs> yeah. they're overwhelming. So, this idea that sometimes these units become defective, uh, either through mm-hmm. natural decay or something uh, that can expose you to chaotic forces. Yeah. Like, something has happened to it. So, they don't act in accordance with <laughs> Primus's wishes or directives, and they start breaking laws and disobeying stuff. And then, like you said, just to start, they go, you know what? I don't want to be part of this anymore and leave but then other modrons hunt them down and i'm just like this sounds amazing so like that idea you've got a modron that's you know tending a bar and then they go they're here yeah down. <laughs> yeah. and they pull out a huge like steam pump gun or something like that and then yes just, yeah 100 yeah. they could definitely be that the lone sheriff the lone bounty hunter kind of, yeah like that day that the modron enters town yeah 100 a lot of bounty hunter style stuff there yeah, I actually think, yeah, you could easily take any, like for me, I would take the idea of like Crichton from Red Dwarf and then mm-hmm. that, that sort of like, he's still got the programming, but is also like, isn't what he yeah. set out to be and all that sort yeah. of thing. And that, yeah. that's how you develop it from there. But of course you could do, you, if you want to yeah. just get them in anyway, you can get them in anyway. So. 100%. And that would be a great player character. I think that'd be a lot of fun as a player character yes. is you're a Modron that's lost its programming and you don't know why. And mm. you've always got this idea, you've got to find it. Then you've got the sad thing of if you repair yourself, you will lose your individuality, but you will go back to what you were meant to be kind of thing. Yeah. Like the film, like the movie B-Movie, the greatest film ever made. Very, it is a classic film. <laughs> the sort of similarity is interesting. So obviously with um, Illithid, so there's Mind Flayers and they had the Elder Brain. That's, again, that mm. high thing. If they go away from an Elder Brain, uh, like yeah. the Ood, for example. Um, oh they, my God. Yeah, yeah. They lose that connection and they sort of become themselves, but they could easily become under the control of it. Again, if they're closer. So that idea that suddenly the march comes past and the barkeep goes, I have to be strong. I have to be all starts market and starts going yeah, like you need yeah. to save your friend because they've yeah. just been entranced because they're it's just come through and the influence is there. It, it's almost werewolf like the full yes. moon that they know that every coming so they have to go somewhere. There's some brilliant bits of artwork again. I'm mm-hmm. pushing the Great Mojo Markers book here because actually it's both a campaign and kind of basically a source book for them. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to get into the nitty-gritty, I would. Pick up the Great Motion March. It's like five dollars on yeah, drive. It's really moment. cheap. So it's totally now, worth yeah. it. Yeah. It's got some love, and the why I've got reminded because there's a lovely bit of artwork at the very back where it's basically a D&D party, but one of them's a Modron. And looking oh. at it, I've, I've just sent it to you on Discord. It was wonderful. <gasps> I want to see. I want to see. Um, it was just a great little picture, and that makes me inspired. So you could definitely have a Modron as a character. Oh, there is adorable. <laughs> yeah, it's Sorry, adorable. <laughs> if you get the Great Modron March book. Have you got it, Fiona, on PDF? I do have it on PDF, yes. Right, could you open the PDF for me now, please? I certainly can. Give me one second. Talk this is essential that everyone does this. Okay. You need to open it up and then by about page 15. All right. Opening. You'll open it up, get it to one page view. Uh, one page view, all right. All right, it's loading. Okay, page 15. Page 15. There's a small Modron in the bottom right corner. Yes. <laughs> Scroll. Keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. He's scrolling. He's walking. It's oh a little flip no way. He's, he's marching. He's, he's, he's marching. actually marching. Holy yeah. shit. I did not see that. <laughs> ah. I love that. I love that. That is adorable. That is so cool. Well, Rob, 
What a march we've had. We've got a, mar- a jolly march. Ma- a Jay- jolly ramble. Yeah. Tr- frolic. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Mo- Modron's on tour. Oi, oi. Modron's on tour. I am. Well, you know what? I will design that T-shirt. Uh, please do. Are you oh. going to insert Chelsea Dagger at some point? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. cancelled on service. We'll cut. We'll cut after that. That first bar. Because otherwise, the Fratellis will be like, excuse us. We did not we sign have, up for this. We have no career. This is our only source of revenue. Murdoch's on tour. We've done it. Yeah. We've peaked, Rob. We've cancelled D&D. Cancel D&D, cancel D&D's book. I'm, I'm going to write to Satine Phoenix and just say, we've peaked at D&D, we've cancel peaked. it. Please yeah. please buy a T-shirt, that's what I'll yeah. say. But Rob, thank you so much for, for embracing my love of Murdoch's. I hope, I, I can't wait for the next game I'm in and I'll, there'll be a little reference. I'm sure there will be somewhere and I will be like, oh, I did that. So thank you so much. Where can we find your work? What are you up to? What, is there anything you'd um, like to plug? I've just recorded the episode for Full Metal RPG about using miniatures in uh, roleplay games. I'll be appearing on Dark Hammer soon, talking about running a Soulbound game where you play dead people, mm-hmm. um, which you have taken part on in I such have. a game. And Realm of Fire is my main podcast. We've had a sort of winter break. We've got a lot in the canister. A lot needs editing, so we're gonna we're gonna start launching again. But other than that. Oh, don't forget to um, drink water and hydrate yourself. Oh, drink water and hydrate. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Hate it. Right. Uh, for me, uh, I run the What Am I Rolling podcast, which is a twice monthly RPG one shot podcast. As always, it's going very, very well. The next one up will be uh, a solo RPG, The Long Haul 1983, which is really fun. And then in the works, I do have, because I started editing it the other day, Numenera's coming out. We've got Idris Bai coming out. We've got all sorts coming out. And yeah, it's a it's a fun old time over at uh, What Am I Rolling. So that's all good stuff as always we have an offer code if you want to get 10% off your first order at third space gaming your friendly local game store in burnley uh you get 10% rob's like why are you giving that accent um you get 10% burnley. off burnley uh burnley. you get 10% off if you type in to the <laughs> to check out dnvc and you can that's your first purchase so it could be anything on top of that but yeah i would highly recommend checking out the great modron march we'll put a link to it in the, the episode description because it is if you know if you were like i want to out more about these creatures and have them in the campaign as rob said you can have them as a full campaign as in the background and the artwork's really fun so yeah brilliant really little great cowers it's five dollars you could even spring for that that's that's a new set of dice on dnd beyond Yes, get a source book instead. <laughs> get a source book instead. Get a source book instead. Well, with all that out of the way, thank you so much yeah. for listening, folks, and we will speak to you, hear you, see you, do stuff with you next time. Goodbye. See you on the flip side. See you on the flip side. That's my new. <laughs> That's your new thing. Yeah. The basic five, basic five, as if they're like a, a team. Now I just imagine them as Power Rangers. Yeah. Let's get that out of the way. Also, the basic five, they've all got hugs on <laughs> the them carrying five. lattes. <laughs> Oh my god. That's not fair. That's not fair. No, but now Live now, your life. No, Live now, your life. Now I'm seeing Sex in the City with Modrons. Right. <laughs> Ignore this is what's gonna happen. It's every time it's like, but we could add Modrons to this thing. Um, <laughs> you can imagine this book with Modrons. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I I you know what? I wanna see film posters with more Modrons on it and like, yeah. like Modron one, like something like that. I don't know. I Modron. I Modron. The Modron and I. Wonder Modron. I'm just looking at Wonder Woman. I've got nothing. Anyway, right. Let's. Uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Let's, yeah. let's, we're both we're both getting carried away. <laughs> Too many Modrons. Okay. Yeah. So.